0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network.
2: We start today with probably, I would have to say, the most important uh, pick cabinet pick of any president elect and that is the choice to be Secretary of State because this is the person who represents the United States around the world, speaks for the president, uh, reflects the values, American values uh, around the world and hopefully keeps helps keep this world uh, at peace and has a very powerful voice in whether or not or how we handle diplomatic situations or world crises uh, and whether we solve them diplomatically or militarily and actually go to war. And that, again, is a choice for secretary of state. And you've got to say, put put party politics aside. Nobody could have handled this most important decision worse or more amateurly than Donald Trump. I mean, it is like Keystone Cops, right? First of all, It is pure chaos. On the one hand, you have Donald Trump, who invited Mitt Romney to to meet with him last Saturday at his country club in New Jersey. You have Donald Trump, who has reportedly said, you know, he likes Mitt Romney. He thinks it would be great to bridge this divide and bring the party back together again, because we know that Mitt Romney was no fan of uh, Donald Trump's. we know he didn't even vote for him. But well, we know that Donald Trump has also said he thinks Mitt Romney looks the part, you know, like Hollywood casting. He looks like a secretary of state. And we know that Donald Trump has invited Mitt Romney back. This is the first person that I know of that's come back for, well, Rudy Giuliani's always hanging around. Yeah, he's got some he, people just hanging yeah, out there. No, Rudy just hangs out and says, oh, Donald, can I get you a Coke? Donald, can I get you a Big Mac? Oh, yes, Donald, can I wipe your shoes? Yeah. But, I mean, coming back for a second interview, Mitt Romney's the first one. And Donald Trump has invited him back tonight and, in fact, is having a private dinner with him tonight. So on the one hand, you've got Donald Trump, who is taking Mitt Romney seriously for Secretary of State. And then, on the other hand, you've got his aides who are out there publicly trashing Mitt Romney. Here is not an aide, but a loyal, loyal supporter from the beginning uh, nutty Chris Collins, Congressman from New York yesterday with Andrew Cuomo on CNN. Well, I mean,
3: what do I know about Mitt Romney? I know that he is a self-serving egomaniac oh. who puts himself first, uh, who has a chip on his shoulder that thinks he should be President of the United States.
2: <laughs> well, first of all, Jesus. first of all, uh, nobody knows a self-serving egomaniac better than a member of Congress. I mean, you could say that about 535 members of Congress, self-serving egomaniac. But, I mean, yeah, this is a guy who's supposed to be part of the team, Chris Collins, right, who should be out there saying, we have a lot of excellent candidates, and Donald Trump is doing, President-elect Trump is doing a great job, and he's taking this very seriously, and he's interviewing all of them, and he will pick the person that he believes is best for the United States. Oh, no, 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 he's going out there trashing one of them, right. You know, it's it's so – I mean, it, it's it, unlike anything we've ever seen, no, and that's an no.
1: understatement. Yeah, right. Uh, but you look at how he's treating Mitt Romney and all the different reports that have come out about how he wants Romney to apologize for the speech he gave. You look at this guy, Chris uh, Collins. We've talked about the Kellyanne Conway stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to make him come up and have dinner with him again. And all this, there were reports that over Thanksgiving he was going around the table asking people, who should yeah. I pick for Secretary of State? No. Mitt Romney no. or Rudy Giuliani? And it was a group of people who know nothing about politics. The, Fabio was there.
2: No, but not just around the table. He was going around the restaurant. Sure, around yeah. The, around the country yeah. club asking yeah. people. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just... Uh, the caddy on the golf course. He was right. At, yeah. Who do you think should be... It's just uh, not serious. But you mentioned Kellyanne Conway. Of course, famously, she was out on the Sunday shows... Uh, with our own uh, attempt to slam and smear Mitt Romney.
4: I'm hearing from people who say, "Hey, my aunt, my my parents died penniless, but I gave $216 huh. to Donald Trump's yeah, campaign, and I rubber. would feel betrayed." You have people saying, "I thought we got rid of this type." Um, his, his, I, I'm just saying that there were. We don't even know if Mitt Romney voted for Donald Trump. He uh, he put Evan
2: McMullin up in Utah. Yeah, I okay. know. Yeah, we know he didn't vote for Donald course Trump. Of course he, he didn't vote for Donald he Trump. He, not, he said he was not going to vote for Donald Trump. So that's, first, it's the chaos around this this uh, nomination. And secondly, it's the choice. Okay, so again, I'm trying to look at this, and I urge you to, to, not as a Democrat, not as a Republican, as an American. And the choice is not what's best for Donald Trump. It's not what's best for Kellyanne Conway although she appears to think it is. The choice is really what's best for the American people. Now, let's consider the people that we know are under, are, are up, up for nomination, p- potential nomination, right? Yeah, there's Mitt Romney, there's Rudy Giuliani, and there's David Petraeus, the ones that we know about. Now, you got to agree with me. The only one of the three that makes sense for the United States of America, if those are your three choices, I can think of a lot of better people for Secretary of State. Bring Hillary back. Keep John Kerry there. Give Susan Rice the job. Give Samantha Power the job, right? I mean, give Diane Feinstein, Barbara Boxer, go on and on, Kirsten Gillibrand, tons of great Democrats available for the job who would be much better than anybody Trump's looking at. That, that's not going to happen, right? It's going to be President Trump. But of those three, got to say, for the United States of America, there is no better candidate than Mitt Romney among those three. I mean, first of all, David Petraeus? David Petraeus, <laughs> who was fired because he was cheating, not just cheating on his wife, he was cheating on all of us. He committed espionage. He gave his, he, he is as bad? No. Worse than Edward Snowden. He took his briefing books with secret classified material in it and handed it to his mistress so that she could write his biography and have all that stuff. Handed, physically handed those notebooks to her. He has not denied, he has admitted that he did that. She has admitted that he did that. And he got a slap on the wrist and... And goes off. And seriously, he'd be considered Secretary of State? I mean, again, you might as well bring Edward Snowden back and give him the job. Uh, In fact... (laughs) Why not? In fact, I would. (laughs) I mean,
1: if you ask... That's crazy. Most people... Crazy. If you ask most people who voted for Donald Trump, why didn't you vote for Hillary Clinton? They will say... Because she cheated. Look at what she did with her emails. Uh, Exactly. Look at what she did. She put us in danger. People go to jail for this Mm -hmm. type of stuff. Classified information.
2: Right. Yeah. There's Donald. She didn't. David Petraeus did. And then Rudy Giuliani, seriously, seriously, Rudy Giuliani knows nothing about foreign policy except all the lobbying he has done for foreign corporations and foreign governments. Right. I mean, Rudy Giuliani, who led the cheers again, lock her up, lock her up at the Republican convention, gave that horrible speech, horrible, nasty speech at the Republican convention. And Rudy Giuliani, who's nothing but a Trump toad, right? I mean, he's got nothing going <laughs> for him. So, I mean, the idea that he would be Secretary of State would be a monumental embarrassment. And let me tell you something else. I'll bet you he could never get confirmed. Neither could Petraeus. They're not going to confirm a crook in David Petraeus. The Senate's not going to do that, not even Republicans. And Republicans are going co- not going to confirm somebody who has his hand in the cookie jar the way um, uh, Rudy Giuliani does when it comes to foreign relations. So really, the only one that makes any sense, don't you agree, a 6 press, I mean, first of all, it would be a very magnanimous gesture on Donald Trump's part to do this. It would really look like I'm willing to put the past behind me. I recognize that what Mitt Romney said about me is nothing near as bad as what I said about Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz or their family. So I'm willing to put that behind me for the good of the country, good choice for Donald Trump. And... Mitt Romney's got some experience. You know, he's been around the world. He, he ran the Olympics. He ran, he ran for president of the United States. He's a very successful businessman, and he does look the part. So I got to say, I realize this will kill his chances. <laughs> but my endorsement for Secretary of State, among the choices we've been given by Donald Trump, far and away, Mitt Romney. Igor Volsky, Deputy Director of the Center for American Progress Action Fund. Hello, Prince Igor. Let's talk about time. We've talked uh, this morning a lot about uh, uh, the choice for Secretary of State. The choice seems to be between David Petraeus, Rudy Giuliani, and Mitt Romney. But it's also reported, uh, will be officially announced today, but it's been leaked, that Donald Trump has decided to name as the new HHS Secretary the leading a critic of the arch enemy of obamacare uh, congressman tom price republican congressman from Georgia Georgia suburbs Georgia. of Georgia. From, Sir, Georgia from Atlanta uh if you really if he's really serious about repealing obamacare igor this is your man right
3: this is your man, and I covered Obamacare uh, for three, four years while it was going through the process, and Tom Price was one of the loudest voices calling for- uh, Who's a doctor, by the way. Who's a doctor, yes. a, a orthopedic surgeon, I believe he is, um, who the story goes, and this was in the New York Times this morning, that got into politics because he didn't like people without medical knowledge making decisions that would impact his practice. And so he was a state senator in, in, in Georgia uh, and then and now, of course, in Congress and was a leading opponent of the bill before it was a law in Congress, spreading all kinds of lies about it, death panels and everything else that we heard from 2009, to 2010. And then after it was implemented, um, really worked very hard to try to get it repealed and spent this whole time that we've had the law since 2010 working on ways and tricks to repeal it.
2: I the, mean, the 65 votes. For the Republicans in the House to repeal Obamacare and replace it with nothing, with nothing, were largely the work of Tom Price. Yeah,
3: Tom Price and, and a lot of and the Paul other Republicans Ryan. and uh, and Mike Burgess, who's a congressman from Texas, also a doctor, is a leader in leader <laughs> leader in this field um, of taking away health care coverage from people. Now, the benefit of Price for Trump, at least, is that Price does have replacement plans. Um, he's uh, one of a handful of Republican uh, legislatures who's taken and studied healthcare rather seriously and has worked with serious healthcare people on the conservative side to come up with alternatives to Obamacare. Now, they all suck, um, and they all, I mean, frankly, you know, you look at the in 2009, uh, as the, the when the Affordable Care Act received its first vote um, in the House, when it was still, of course, a bill, there was an alternative that was offered by then-Speaker Boehner, everybody forgets about this, or L- Majority Leader Boehner at the time, um, that laid out a lot of the principles that are in Price's plans, so things like the sick people will go into these high-risk pools that would only be full of sick people, and that's how they would get coverage. How you would be able to purchase insurance across state lines, that these insurance companies would be able to avoid tough state regulations in states like New York, for instance, and not offer all of the standard benefits that New York requires. Um, Health savings accounts, for instance, that allows people to put money away and then use it on their health care. All of those policies put together, according to the congressional Budget Office in 2009, would cover, you know, how many people? Three. Three million people. and would actually lead to an increase in the uninsured in that 10-year budget no, of window. No,
2: of course it would. and it So also it's make crappy healthy.
3: policies, it's crappy coverage, but this is kind of the conservative philosophy that if you get sick, you're basically on your own, and if you can afford coverage, that's great, but if not, well, good luck.
2: In other words, again, if you want to get rid of Obamacare, and if you want to leave 20, 30, however many mil- million Americans out in the cold with no health insurance, and particularly the 20 who have b- managed to get health insurance for the first time in their lives for them and their fam- for themselves and their families under Obamacare. Tom Price is your man. Tom
3: Price is your man. He'll take it away and give you something crappy.
2: Give you something, yeah, basically nothing. Um, so let's talk about some of these alternatives. Yeah. I mean, um, health savings accounts. Right.
3: If you're rich, it's great.
2: No, exactly.
3: The, the idea, <laughs> right.
2: The idea here is you have your IRA for your retirement. You can have another basically IRA, and you pump money in there. You can put ten thousand dollars a year in there. You're, then you're going to have this big fat nest egg that you can spend in case you need any uh, need medical care. Yeah, that assumes that people have all this extra income in the first place to create this kind of an account. And of course, these if you, are people. Who are working harder and making less money today than they did 20 years ago, right? And they don't have any money left over at the end of the month. They're looking if they can put food on the table.
3: And if you look at the profile of who the uninsured are or who they will be again in Donald Trump's America, they are not the people who have the money to put away in the health savings account. They don't have money to purchase coverage because coverage is expensive for them. It's part of the reason why they're uninsured.
2: But it does show. I mean, elections do have consequences. Indeed. Right. And I mean, uh, uh, Donald Trump said this is what he's going to do. So it's no surprise that he would pick this guy to uh, to, to to gut uh, Obamacare. Uh, what are the chances that he would get confirmed?
3: I think the chances of confirmation for Dr. Torture, Dr. Price, um, are good just because he does know... The agency well, he knows the Medicare system very well. He's worked in it. I mean, he has, he has all kinds of ideas to change Medicare as well. He,
2: we can talk about that too. Okay. So he's a doctor. He has zero executive experience.
3: Well, he has zero executive experience, but he has worked, I believe, to some degree in healthcare policy. So yeah, yes, zero executive experience. That that is true. Um, but I think kind of on its face, if you strip the ideology of Tom Price, I think. Uh, the senators uh, on, what is it, the Health and Human Services Committee would probably be confirming him, um, w- would feel like, you know, that on with, without the ideological part, he probably kn- can run and knows, knows what the agency is involved in and the different facets of the agency, um, whether it's, I think, what, what is a $1 billion budget, it's a very big budget. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, the ideology is a big problem. How so it'll be his, a big
2: problem for Democrats. How do his views square with Donald Trump Who, after talking to President Obama, meeting with President Obama, said, you know, there are some good parts of Obamacare that we'll probably want to keep, like, uh, they can't deny you because of a pre-existing condition. He mentioned that. like. Uh, children being able to stay on their parents' health care plan yeah. until they're 26.
3: Well, let's be, cl- let's be clear about those two provisions. So when they say you're able to keep your coverage uh, in a, if you have a pre-existing conditions, they're talking about a different way of doing pre-existing conditions called continuous coverage, which says that if you have been continuously covered for a period of time, an insurer can't deny you coverage – that means that people who haven't been continuously covered, who were uninsured, be could be denied coverage. That's, that's the Republican way of doing pre-existing conditions. In terms of keeping kids on your parents' plan, that was actually always in the Republican alternative. So in that Boehner proposal in 2009, that was a part of their proposal as well. So that's been a Republican tenet for quite some time, and I'm sure it's probably in, in, in Price's uh, alternative as and well. And
2: his alternative, as you said, the very, very sick go in a special pool, all the sick people together, right? That's exactly the opposite of what insurance is all (laughs) about. Yes. Imagine how much that would cost. Yeah. If everybody in the plan is sucking from the plan... Imagine how much you have to put into the plan. Well, we don't
3: have to imagine. We had high-risk insurance pools in the Affordable Care Act as a transition policy before the ACA fully kicked in, and they failed. Many of them fell apart. We did not have enough money to fund them, and we were all thankful that they went away and the ACA kicked in because exactly when you have all of these people paying into the system and they're all using coverage, you can't make that kind of system work. Insurance only works when you have healthy people to balance out the cost of the sick.
2: So, I think the message is, if you uh, were able to get um, uh, Obamacare, again, get health insurance for the first time ever in your life for you or your family uh, under Obamacare, you're going to lose it, right? Yeah, yeah. And your alternative will be go to the emergency room. There, there, will, there will be no alternative for people who are not well off.
3: Well, what he will also say is that he's going to expand community health clinics, which is actually both Republicans and Democrats supporters, a big George W. Bush initiative. Uh, it's that, a big that, Bernie so Sanders it's, initiative. So community Bernie, health clinics are great. Very popular. Yeah. But that's, that, yeah, those are but, the two options, emergency room, but, community health clinics. But you know what? And good luck.
2: Yeah, people. <laughs> and lots of luck. Uh, my son is a medical director of a community health clinic in Bend, Oregon, right? Their business has gone has skyrocketed because people now have health insurance. Now they go to health clinics because they have health insurance. They didn't go before because they didn't have insurance. They went to the emergency room. So the idea of expanding clinics but taking away the health insurance that enables them to go there and take advantage of those services is totally contradictory.
3: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
2: There it is. So, Hillary Clinton, we assumed, was going to be the first female president of the United States. Not going to happen. A setback, not only for Democrats, but for women in general. Claire Foreign, uh, associate editor at The Atlantic, has been taking a look at the role of women in politics and joins us in studio. Last time we saw you was the morning after uh, November 8th. It's still not any brighter, but we... Maybe after two weeks, I think we're a the, little more resigned. the
0: outcome of the election has set in for many yeah. people more so, but but yeah.
2: So you're not counting on the recount to reverse things?
0: <laughs> uh, it looks extremely unlikely, but, you know, I mean, I think that it's been interesting to see the case for, you know, why it would make sense to audit the vote in general and just as far as that's a general deterrent for anybody that would want to hack. So, you know, I think it's going forward, but it seems unlikely.
2: Yeah. Uh, Right. No, I agree. It's worth doing, but uh, don't hold your breath, right? Yeah. Uh, So uh, what does Hillary's defeat mean for the role of women in politics?
0: Well... Is
2: it just one one isolated case, or is it bad news overall?
0: There's a lot of research that shows that when women run for office, it can have... Sort of a trickle down or ripple effect. uh, Most of the time, that can be in the form of sort of this role model effect. So there's research that indicates when women do get elected or even run for office, that can be something that younger women or girls will look to and it can inspire them to run as well. So it's obviously a setback that Clinton didn't win. She didn't, you know, at this point, we don't have living proof that it's possible for a woman to be elected uh, as president of the United States. So that's a setback in its own right. But it's definitely possible that that could also set back the emergence of other women candidates. So we know
2: that it can or can't
0: that it might discourage other women from running for office. Um, Now, of course, what's most likely that will happen is, you know, there's certainly going to be a lot of different reactions, and I could easily see there being a mix of things of you know, maybe some women looking at her candidacy and almost being motivated to run because she lost. But, but looking at the research overall, we know that women are less likely to show an interest in running for office than men, even though it seems to be the case that when men and women run, they are just as likely to win their races. So if you can get women to run, they're not necessarily at a disadvantage, at least in terms of the probability that they'll win, but they're less likely to run in the first place. There's a big gap in in ambition.
2: Well, isn't it uh, the fact, right, that are we making too much of this in the sense that, yes, um, it's great that women run for office, but, uh, you know, the nature of politics is somebody wins and somebody loses, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not always going to win. And not every loss is a loss for...
0: Needs to be, ...women in general. Absolutely. I mean, and I'm not... I I think that there will be... You know, it's not to say that most women will even be looking at this from that perspective, but there has been... You know, people have sort of investigated this question in political science and in sociology and kind of what does it mean, And, and so... There's uh, a researcher at American University who's looked at why why is it that women are less likely to run, and what she's found is that there tends to be a lot of questions about, well, will they be treated by, fairly by the media? Will they be subject to more scrutiny? Will, will their personal lives come under attack? And it's possible that looking at Clinton's candidacy and the way she was treated, when you think about some of the attacks on her, I mean, Trump said she played the woman's card. He said that, you know, he explicitly said that she... Um, you know, that was the only reason she was doing as well as she did in the race. And it's certainly possible that other women could look at that and the fact that she didn't win and say, well, maybe the costs of running outweigh the benefit. So yeah.
2: I don't think she played the women woman's card much at all. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, she was who she is. She is who she is. Yeah. But I didn't see her going around saying, you've got to vote for me because.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of people I'm going have... to make history. Yeah. I think
1: that d- definitely to run for office as a woman, you've got to be stronger than the average male politician. You definitely have to put up with a lot more BS. Yeah. Uh, and you just have to prepare yourself that people can not so thinly disguise sexism and get away with it.
2: Yeah, and we saw it. We saw it on in, full display. In this campaign with full display. Uh, at the same time... Um, the other side of the coin, I think, is I'm not sure be, the exact numbers, but it seems to me that we have more women today in the House of Representatives, in the Senate, on the Supreme Court. Of course, they're not elected, but
0: yeah,
2: uh, and probably in state legislatures or governorships than we've ever had, haven't we?
0: You know, I don't know so about historical. So the trend historical... is like
2: in the right. First of all, yeah. they're not enough, as far as I'm concerned, because yeah. I do think they do a better job than most men. But um, I'm encouraged by so many who are up there in prominent positions today. Look at the Senate.
0: Yeah, yeah, a and a dozen
2: women And when you think today. about,
0: too, like what the Democratic bench consists of right now, I mean, you think people are talking about people like Kamala Harris, who obviously hasn't really proven herself at the national level. But you know, I think that there's a lot of um potential on the democratic side for in the next couple of years we could even see you know, not it might not even take too long to see another woman running for president again. And the fact that Clinton did, you know, she did make history um even just by winning the nomination. And I think that alone is um that's something. You know, while, she didn't prove yet that we can have a woman president, she did show that we can have a woman nominee. And I think that we'll see certainly more of that in the future.,
2: uh, so maybe the um the, the bottom line for this twenty sixteen. 2016 is not that Democrats nominated a woman for president, but maybe they nominated the wrong woman?
0: I think that there's a lot of reason to think that that's the case, that she was not a candidate that fit sort of the moment and the mood uh, as far as, you know, not her ties to the political establishment. Although I will say that I think it's difficult sometimes to untangle that from the fact that she was this, the first woman to run and get the nomination. Because when you look historically at how women have gotten into politics, a lot of times it has been in connection with husbands um, mm. who have served previously. So I was doing some research for this story and looking at it was talking about somebody who had been the first woman elected in her own right to the Senate. And I was like, oh, what does that term mean in her yeah, own right? Yeah. And it means, you know, somebody who hadn't her taken over. Her husband
2: didn't croak and then she took his place.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And, and historically, that has been how women wow. have, have yeah, often yeah. been trailblazing. Yeah. So I think that. So, for example, Clinton, when you think about Which the attack.
2: Which is hardly trailblazing.
0: Well, yes, but when you think about the attack on her as an insider or a dynasty, yes, that's Mm. true. But could we have seen, you know, when you think about it in this larger context, would you have gotten um, a first woman running for the nomination who wasn't somehow politically well-connected, who didn't have sort of that foundation to stand on? So I just think that it it doesn't mean she wasn't the wrong candidate uh, for the moment, but it's hard to untangle that.
2: It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Recount has started in Wisconsin. Jill Stein yesterday said she's raised enough money now to shift it to Pennsylvania. And since Michigan was officially called for Donald Trump last night, why not a recount in Michigan as well? Uh, Chris Moody is here with us as a friend of Bill the entire hour uh, from CNN and now we're joined by the man who knows more about the vote, voting process and what happened in this election than anybody else we know Kyle Condick, except maybe for his boss Larry Sabato <laughs> Kyle Condick from the Center for American po- Center for Politics rather at the University of Virginia and Hey Kyle what's up doing well how are you Bill does this re- recount make any sense
4: uh, so uh, Hillary Clinton's own lawyer uh, Mark Elias, who's a big time Democratic lawyer, he wrote About how um, the margins Of victory for Trump in these the Three key states that basically gave him the election Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin Are bigger than than any, any Margin that's ever been overturned in a recount The Clinton campaign is sort of participating In kind of a passive way uh, In these recounts, so I would not Expect them to, tr- to change anything And here's the thing is that if there actually was fraud or something that happened it must have been done in a very sophisticated way because the the voting patterns make sense you know if you look at the county level election returns in, in, across the midwest basically trump made these huge gains in white working class areas didn't really improve all that much in big cities. Turnout was down a little bit in some of the big cities, but um, when you, just in looking at it, you know, again, the results make sense, and that sort of suggests that maybe there wasn't fraud. Um, but, you know, if Jill Stein and her supporters are willing to pay for these recounts, that she has a legal right to do them, at least in Wisconsin, and uh, she's working on it in Pennsylvania and Michigan, so we'll see.
2: As I as I remember, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan yesterday officially declared it was about 10,700. Right? Yeah, that, that's right. Right. That's right. Um, Which is still bigger than 70,000 in Pennsylvania.
4: Yes. About 70,000 in Pennsylvania. In in Wisconsin, it's a a low 20s, 22, 23,000 votes. And so, again, that's a lot, even, you know, even in states where there were, you know, millions, millions of votes. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania is one of the biggest states in in the Union, but uh, you know, I think it was I think the margin was 1.1 percent, which is I mean that's a lot. I mean it's a it's close, but it's also uh, a lot of votes to overturn. So uh, I think more than a recount, I think what some on the left are looking for is kind of a an audit of the results to sort of see if there were any you know shenanigans and how some of the voting machines work. But again, there's not really any good evidence to suggest that that uh, that that happened.
2: Bottom line, legally they've got a right to do it, but it ain't going to make any difference.
4: Probably not. I, 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 just, I, you know, I, I, I'm not willing to rule anything out in such a weird year. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I think, that, I think that this election has taught a lot of us a little bit of humility about, uh, about this. So, but, but no, there's not really any evidence that that would suggest that that it would work. And again, because. Um, you know the results make sense, both in the most compet- competitive states and in the, the least the, the the states that weren't as competitive, where you saw sort of similar dynamics, where some suburban areas and some big urban counties swung from Obama to Clinton, doing better. Uh, but Trump did much better than Clinton in some of the rural areas, and again, you see that pattern throughout the country.
2: What was the margin? Remind me, or or, or Chris, in Florida in 2000? We were talking about like 500. Like, I, was five,
4: I think it was 538 yeah, votes, thought, actually. Yeah, that, yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I recall, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's and you know, Florida was you know, you talk about millions upon millions of votes cast, and so that's a that was mm-hmm. a different story. I remember before the election. Um, there was, uh, you know, obviously Trump made the comments saying that, you know, he he would only accept the outcome if he won or, or something like that. And I remember talking about it and saying, well, it, you know, it, when he said, you know, the votes are rigged or whatever, which there wasn't any evidence in advance that would be the case. And of course he won the election, so you know. But the, now the, you the, have to prove that they weren't, w- right? R- maybe not rigged, right? Ex- exactly. <laughs> uh, but I remember saying to, you know, before the election that, uh, if um, uh. If the if if uh, if there was a really close result, then Trump would be within his rights to seek a recount or something like that. I mean, if we had a Florida 2000 situation, I don't think Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin are Florida 2000 type situations. Far from it. The margins are a lot bigger. Um, But if you're within your legal rights to do this, as the Stein, the Stein campaign is, you know, you can do it. Um, it 's just that you know for fighting Donald Trump and fighting Republicans in Congress, will those millions of dollars be well spent or will they be better spent on say helping uh the Democrat Foster Campbell trying to run the- win the Louisiana Senate race, mm-hmm. which may be hopeless too, but uh, you know, that that's still a race that's outstanding that's going to be, I think, in December uh, December 10th. So, so yeah. when Hillary Clinton says she's playing a passive role in this, what does that mean, really? I think basically that the Clinton, the remnants of the Clinton campaign mm-hmm. want there to be their own lawyers sort of over, it, it, it part of the process just in case something comes up, then they can be sort of aware of the developments. Mm-hmm. But the Clinton campaign made their own decision that they were not going to try to fund these recounts or to seek these recounts. Uh, and I don't I don't blame them for you know having having someone involved and involved and again uh, Mark Elias the person I mentioned earlier has been very involved in, in this sort of ongoing um, uh, count in North Carolina where it looks like Democrat Roy Cooper is going to be the next governor of North Carolina um, and but the incumbent governor Republican Pat McCrory has been sort of challenging you know c- certain certain votes or what have you. What's but the margin there? Do you know? I think it's up to about nine thousand votes. Um, in North Carolina. So again, that's pretty. That's almost almost as much as what Trump won Michigan by. And so, uh, you know, that's that's also not a result that you'd expect to get overturned in a recount. But that nuance gets lost in conservative talk radio and other places where they say Hillary Clinton now demanding a recount, putting the nation yeah, through she, a horrible so, yeah, experience, which so is not. Awesome. Yeah, she's. Yeah, I, she, I I didn't, think, she didn't start it. I think it's. No, I think no. it's wrong to say that she's demanding a recount. No, no, I'm correct. Yeah, right. right. I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and, and uh, so uh. You know, she I, I think that I think that if she, if the recount's gonna happen, they wanted to participate in it in mm-hmm. in a you know, in, in, in again, kind of a passive way, and I think that's what they're doing. But it gives the Trump people a
3: talking point to rail against.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah if you hear if you believe them, she instigated it, she started it, she's funding it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh but what does it mean that um uh, Jill Stein was able to raise over seven million dollars basically overnight for this um maybe mm-hmm. pointless recount?
4: Uh, well, it is when people are upset, it's easy to get money from them and I think we I think we've actually we've seen this on the right for years that there have basically been these sort of scam packs that are you know so, so so-called affiliated with the Tea Party or something and then they end up raising a lot of money there have been uh, a lot of a lot of candidates actually use these sort of um, churn and burn sort of uh, a fundraising operation where they do a bunch of direct mail they raise a lot of money, but then if you look at the finance reports they're also spending a lot of money to raise it. Uh, and I just wonder if this is going to start happening on the left now that Trump's in power, is that you're going to have uh, – I'm not necessarily saying that the Stein campaign is being unscrupulous in this, but they may be sort of selling their supporters a little bit more hope than there actually is in this effort. Uh, but you do wonder if they're going to be uh, the, the sort of what's happened on the right, happened on the left, where you're going to have essentially scammers coming along and, uh, you know, Basically, you know, playing on people's outrage about whatever's going on with the government uh, to try to raise money. That's really not going to do all that much to uh, um, to actually change anything.
2: Yeah, I think you're going to see that happen. Uh, yeah, I've already seen signs of that. I believe that the people who gave money to the recount really sincerely believe yeah. that there's a shot here, and it's it's this is sort of. Bernie Sanders kind of money. They're all small contributions right. here and and these are people who are really upset and we're looking for something to do. Right. But there will be a lot of scam opportunities. So
1: The parting shot with Bill Press. This is the Bill Press show.
2: Yep, just when you thought the election was over, just when in despair you'd accepted the reality of President Trump, along comes a glimmer of hope. Recount in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, maybe even Michigan, a recount led by Green Party uh, candidate Jill Stein. Is it worth doing as we just discussed? Absolutely. You flip those three states and Hillary Clinton, not Donald Trump, would be the next president of the United States. Would the recount make a difference? Probably not. It'll be awfully hard, if not impossible, to find 107,000 fraudulent votes. But still, if there's one last chance to save this nation from the prospect of Donald Trump in the Oval Office, it's a chance worth taking. Bottom line, don't hold your breath, but keep your fingers crossed. That's been Party Show for today, folks. Have a great Tuesday. Come back to see us again tomorrow. This we'll be is looking The for Bill you.
1: Press Show.